0: What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. Today's story happened last summer. That's July of 2018. William was out riding his bike. He came up to an intersection where he had a stop sign and had to turn either left or right. While he was stopped at that intersection, a car approached from his right and turned left, coming straight at him. What makes this story interesting is that the driver of the car didn't see William sitting on his bike at that intersection because the driver was looking down at his phone. He didn't look up in time and he drove right into William and his bike. William was knocked to the ground, and his bike was destroyed. Oh, and there's another part of the story that makes it even more interesting. The driver of that car was a police officer, and he was on duty driving his police cruiser. Like a lot of cyclists, William has an action cam mounted on his helmet, so when this crash happened, the camera was rolling, so the whole thing is on video and it's been viewed over 11 million times. I'll have that video in the show notes for this episode. This was a pretty interesting conversation. We talked about William's high-end bike that was destroyed, the camera he uses when he's biking, what happened when he got hit, who paid for his bike, as well as the coverage for his injuries. You'll see in the video, the police officer that crashed into him two different times told him, you're fine, but he wasn't actually fine. Now William has a new bike and a new camera, and that police officer is no longer an officer with that police department. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, and you'd like to support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at whatwasthatlike.com slash coffee.
0: And now, here's William.
1: How often are you out riding your bike?
0: Usually, when it's in season, I'll be out uh, four or five days a week, 20 to 30 miles for each ride.
1: Wow, so you're pretty serious then.
0: I would say so.
1: Tell tell us about your bike. What I I mean, uh, somebody that rides that much, you've probably got a pretty expensive bike.
0: Now, are you interested in the bike that was destroyed or the one that I have now?
1: The one that you were
0: riding when the video took place. That was a 2012 Scott Foil 15, which when I bought it brand new, uh it was a $5,000 bicycle. And uh, it's carbon fiber frame, fork. And I've upgraded the wheels on it. I added carbon fiber wheels, which were another $1,500, a custom fit saddle, uh, a custom length stem so that it fit better. Obviously, my own custom pedals. So all in all, I probably had about $7,000 sunk into that. Bike had electronic shifting, which is really nice because it never needs adjustment. The amazing thing about a bike like that is people look at it and they say, why would you spend that much money on a bicycle? And one of the responses I give them is, well, that's not even high-end anymore. Uh, a top-of-the-line bicycle back then was going for at least $10,000, and, you know, top-end now is probably around thirteen to 15000
1: I I ride a bike myself, but nothing like that. And really, you know, I was thinking when you were describing the various uh, components, anyone that's serious about biking, you can tell because they don't call it a seat. They call it a saddle right (laughs) so obviously you're you're a serious cyclist you know here in the tampa bay area every saturday morning if i'm out there are always large groups of cyclists maybe 30 or 40 at a time uh, doing their saturday morning ride do you do that
0: sometimes i do group rides although i I mostly ride by myself
1: now i know some cyclists have front and back lights even in the daytime What, what are your thoughts on that do you have that
0: I don't run lights during broad daylight. I have lights that I run on my commuter bike and I only use them when it's either dark or like foggy or cloudy outside. And do you always
1: record video while you're riding?
0: I do. I have I've run a camera since 2013. And that was a result of seeing an increasing number of YouTube videos ironically of Cyclists getting into hairy situations with motor vehicles, sometimes being hit, but most of the time, it was uh, them not being taken seriously unless they had video evidence. Essentially, cyclists have been treated like second-class citizens as far as law enforcement and the court systems are concerned, but now that we've uh, started cropping up more and more with action cameras, we're actually starting to get a level of justice that would be on par with somebody who got struck by a car if they were a pedestrian or if they were in a car themselves.
1: Yeah. And I know dash cams in cars too are becoming more common too. My wife and I have one in each of our cars.
0: Yeah. I run a dash cam in my car all the time as well.
1: Just as an aside, what model camera do you use? I assume it's a GoPro.
0: Actually it's not. So a lot of people assume that, um, because GoPro was genius with marketing and they got the market penetration first so everybody when they see an action camera they automatically assume GoPro so mine's actually a sony brand the uh, model is the HDR-AS100V and at the time when i bought i think i bought that camera in 2014 for the money it was actually better than GoPro's flagship model which was uh, i believe the Hero 3 that's
1: interesting cuz it i mean you can look, in the looking in the video it has really good resolution and good sound and everything Personally, I'm currently in the market for something like that, and I was, I was assuming GoPro is kind of the standard, but I'll take a look at some of the Sony models as well.
0: And granted, you, yeah, you're going to get quality if you buy GoPro, there's no question. One thing you have to look for, if, if you're using a camera for purposes of protecting yourself legally, you have to be able to spend enough money on the camera that the, the video quality is going to resolve a license plate, especially if you're getting passed at a highest rate of speed. So, for example, my camera has a maximum recording rate of fifty megabits per second. You need a you need an SD card that can handle that too. So, you might spend a little extra money there. But the, even though the resolution is ten eighty p resolution is not what determines how good quality the image will be. It's the it's the recording data rate. Standard ten eighty p records at fifteen megabits per second. So, when you record at fifty, you are getting a, a lot more picture and it's much easier to see license plates. And the other thing I would recommend too is you do wanna have a decently high frame rate. Mine will record at 60 frames per second, and some of the, the newer cameras out there on 1080p will record up to 240 frames per second. So you have many more opportunities to do a freeze frame and capture the license plate, especially if you have shaky video. But then again, also cameras, including mine, have some level of image stabilization which has only gotten better since I bought mine.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned recording data rate, that was one of my questions. Is that the same thing as frame rate? But obviously, they're two different things. So after this, I'm going to, we'll, we'll chat a little bit and get a I don't want to go too far into the weeds on the technical aspects here on the, in the podcast, but I need to, to get a little more information from you on that. Okay, so let's talk about that day. Now, prior to the day that this happened, how many times had you, gone through or approached that intersection?
0: Quite a few times. And um, one of the issues that has been brought up by a lot of YouTube commenters was the fact that I went over the white stop line. But because of the fact that I've been at the intersection so many times, experience has taught me that stopping at the white line is the worst possible spot you can be. The reason why is because when you stop at that white line and you look south, which is towards the right, you can't see anything. The, there are trees and foliage blocking your view because the owner of that property never bothers to trim them.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's signage, there's signs there too.
0: Right. Plus a few telephone poles, high grass, things of that nature. And yeah, the first couple of times I went to that intersection, I actually had a couple of close calls because I was trying to be the, the good law-abiding cyclist who's, you know, stops at the white line. But it turns out for practical purposes, that wasn't the right thing to do. So where I stopped in my particular video that everybody's seen was, at least from experience, the safest place I could be, not just for my visibility, but so others could see me. In watching
1: the video, you can tell that this is not a a like a four-way intersection. This is more like a T-shaped intersection. And you were approaching from the bottom of the T. So you merely had to look left and look right. Now, in the video, it looked like you waited quite a while there. Is that because you could see cars traveling way down the road, coming, approaching the intersection?
0: Yes. And plus the fact too, I was in no rush to be anywhere. So just took a little break and waited for those cars that I saw coming both ways to pass. Plus there was nobody behind me as well. So it's not like I was impeding anybody's flow.
1: And just looking at that, I went on Google maps and, and cut got a few different angles that I, so I could see down each direction of that road. Each way, left and right, it's a long stretch of road. So it looks like cars would be coming at a pretty good rate of speed as they approach where you were.
0: They do. It's a 45-mile-an-hour zone, but people are easily doing 50 to 60 miles an hour.
1: So obviously, it's uh, uh, look out for yourself and protect yourself when you're approaching that kind of a road. Yep. Could you tell from a distance that the car coming from the right was a police cruiser?
0: Not initially. All I could see that it was it was a Ford Explorer, that much I could pick out.
1: And so you saw him turning. Now, of course, the thing is, as as you were just describing the things that blocked your vision as you look to the right, as he's approaching from your right and looking to the left, those same things would be blocking his vision from you if you'd been back at that, at, that uh, white line, right?
0: Correct. If I had been back at the white line, his view of me would have been obstructed even more even if he was looking exactly and the other thing that compounded this was even though i saw him approaching from the right he didn't have a turn signal on or at least it didn't it did not appear that way and i assumed that he was going to continue straight i
1: don't know how many other people do this but i like to plan my weekly meals maybe i'm just weird but i like quick and easy that's just one of the benefits you can get with cook unity or go wild and have CookUnity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing.
0: Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com what.
1: Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17 and you can use this promo code to give it a try
0: trust your gut with seeds dso1 daily symbiotic go to seed.com/what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month that's 25% off your first month of seeds dso1 daily symbiotic at seed.com/what Code twenty five what?
1: Now it looked like as he was making the turn, it just appeared that you didn't have any time to react at all.
0: No, I didn't. And there are some people who say that I had the opportunity to jump out of the way, and it's really not that simple. By the time your brain processes the fact that something is coming at you, with that short of a distance, there was no time to even attempt moving out of the way. And when you're straddling a bicycle with one of your feet clipped into your pedals, That's just not a practical decision you can make. This
1: is Scott cutting in here. I wanted to play the audio portion of the video that William recorded of when he got hit. So you'll kind of know what that was like as he's telling the story. What you'll hear is William's bike as he comes up to the intersection and waits. Then you'll hear one car go by. After that is when the police officer approaches and turns left, head on into William and knocking him off his bike.
0: Phone officer.
1: I gotta text from a fucking other officer. Here. Give me a second,
0: I'll do it. You motherfucker.
1: Ugh.
0: Three nine six. God, God damn it. texting i don't care if you text texting I wasn't, I
1: wasn't texting i was looking at my phone either that's way it. yeah i know it was my bad why are you doing that in a turn i didn't I, I wasn't paying attention
0: officer holy shit, dude yeah. ah i can walk uh how's my arm look Your arm's fine how about this one you're fine i need there's no there's no no abrasions that's the, other, that's the only abrasion you got right there Got one here, Uh, uh, right. You got band-aids? Yep, I do. I guarantee you, my frame's cracked. bicycles.
1: Now the camera doesn't show. How did the car make contact with your bike? Did Did it just run into the front tire? Or did he hit the side of you? Or how did that happen?
0: The, the front of his vehicle hit hit my front tire.
1: Okay. And that kind of knocked you off the bike?
0: Yeah, he spun me about 180 degrees counterclockwise.
1: Can you describe, just from the, from the moment that you saw him, that he's going to unavoidably hit you, can you just describe what happened there as it, as it happened?
0: Well, aside from the fact that I noticed that he was coming straight at me, immediately my eyes picked out that he was not looking at me. He was looking straight down and holding his phone. And that just gave me a sense of disbelief that somebody could be doing that, especially a law enforcement officer who is a trained professional driver. But when he hit me and I hit the ground, I landed on my uh, mostly my right side, which banged up my knee and my right elbow and obviously i was pretty angry with him using various expletives and you know i asked him you know why the f were you talking were you texting on your phone and he said i got another effing text from another officer he then you know he pulled over right away and walked over trying to to gauge i guess the status of my injuries and to make sure everything else was okay and from there he called the highway patrol in that way, there wasn't a conflict of interest because obviously him doing his own investigation would not be a good idea.
1: Yeah, he'd be a little biased there.
0: Right. Although what what it did end up happening anyway is uh, one of his fellow police officers, as well as the chief of police, did show up on the scene. Obviously, they didn't do any investigating, but they were just there to you know, ensure that everything was done by the book.
1: It was interesting when he when he first walked over to you and you were, you asked him, how's, how's my arm look and how's, how's my other arm? And he, he was just, his answers were, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Like, like he did it like as if he just did a full medical evaluation.
0: Yeah, I know. And I, it did turn out like I did have bleeding on both arms. And obviously I, you know, I sought medical treatment afterwards for some lingering issues in my arm.
1: Yeah. Cause sometimes you can't really tell how, the extent of your injuries at at the time that it happens, obviously, because in the video I think you said it, you you were just a little banged up, but you were okay, and your but your bike was was destroyed, but you actually weren't fine, right? I mean, you've had an ongoing, you you've pursued this legally, correct?
0: Yes, I have, and I I never assumed that I was only banged and bruised because I I knew that certain injuries might not manifest themselves until days, weeks, even months after the fact. And I did get myself checked out by a doctor the very next morning. And the following week, I started having some more problems and I began to see an orthopedist and I saw him for quite some time. And uh, one of the uh, points of contention that's also been raised is why I refused transport to the emergency room. And this, this falls along the lines of what I was just talking about. It, unless you have visibly broken bones or you hit your head or you're unconscious, there is no reason to go to an ER. The point of an ER is to save your life. It's not to diagnose other issues that only something like an MRI might be able to reveal because they don't do that in ERs. They do a CT scan just to make sure that you're not going to die. Yeah, and an
1: ER may not have on staff the at the time the specialist needed to properly diagnose the you know, certain types of injuries, I would think as well.
0: Oh, no, they never do. And plus, you usually need a referral just to get a, a specialist to look at you.
1: Right. Now, when this happened, there were some other cars nearby. Were there other witnesses to what happened?
0: I guess technically, yes, there were other witnesses, but none of them stopped. They just assumed that everything was going to be taken care of.
1: Right. Since the cops were already there.
0: Yeah. I mean, say what you will, they have the Fastest response time in the world,
1: can you talk a little bit about when the EMts showed up and uh, how one of them tried to maybe do do some work on your bike?
0: ah uh, yes, that that cluster of a situation uh there were there were three medics, and um, two of them were attending to me in the ambulance. The one that you're talking about in question, the one that screwed with my bike was only sitting in the ambulance, typing down my information into a laptop. He didn't render any actual medical assistance. After they had taken my vitals and patched me up, got out of the ambulance, and I was walking back towards where my bike was now resting, the the EMT in question uh, was already handling it. And then he asked me uh, if I had any Allen wrenches in my saddlebag, which I thought was a stupid question, because why else would I have a saddlebag in the first place? especially on a bike that's this expensive. Obviously, I have some rudimentary knowledge of how to maintain my own bike. And in fact, as a side note, I, I've i got more than rudimentary knowledge. I can true my own wheels. I can do my own overhauls. I've got a full shop in my house, which you know he doesn't know that. But simultaneously, you don't just walk up to somebody's personal property and start messing with it without asking them first. And when I told him I didn't want him touching my bike, He gets an attitude with me, and I was trying to remind him, look, this was involved in a collision. If the police don't care about it in their investigation, the insurance company sure as hell will, and they're going to require that any piece of evidence involved is preserved as is until they make a determination as to what its worth is, and they've written you a check. So even though I called him an effing moron on video, I was doing him a favor, so right he it, was, it was really ridiculous he,
1: he was he would he would have been interfering or or obstructing evidence in some way
0: that is that is possible. I know that spoliation of evidence re- usually requires either malicious intent or uh, gross negligence, and I don't know if that would be able to be proved by a, a criminal prosecutor but here's a, here's an interesting after effect of that particular incident. I posted that video i believe three days after the initial crash video. Shortly after posting this second video.
1: Which is, you're talking about the video of the EMT wanting to work on your bike.
0: Yes. So shortly after posting the video of the EMT, I received a privacy complaint through YouTube. And they're all anonymous. So you never know who files them. There so it could be anybody in the world, but obviously who had the motive to file a privacy complaint. And another thing is that when you file a privacy complaint, You have to specify the timestamps in the offending video where your privacy was violated. The timestamp in question is at 17 seconds, and the only thing you see at that timestamp is this guy's face. There were no privacy complaints about the other EMTs in the video or the two police officers who had nameplates on their uniforms. And what gave me further reason to believe that it was him who filed this complaint was even I didn't know his identity. I never got his name, and frankly, I was willing to let it go, but he just kept kind of poking the bear. I found out who he was because his family members gave him away, and this is why you don't interfere with an investigation. In my comment section, there were two people who commented. They had the same uh, last name in their YouTube handles, and now once again, that could be anybody, but if you just hit the I believe button for a second and you pursue that line of thought, here's what I found out. These, if, if you go to the uh, peculiar, um, the West Peculiar Fire Department's website uh, for their firefighting department, and you go to the meet the staff section, there is one person on staff who has that same last name. And if just for kicks, you go search that name in, on Facebook or LinkedIn, and by the way, he has an unusual first name, which makes it really easy to find him. Well, guess what? There's his exact photo. It's unmistakable. And then if you go digging further into his Facebook pictures, you find the same names of the two family members who were trying to defend him. It's his wife and his son. And they use the same profile pictures in their YouTube profiles as they do on Facebook. So it all made sense. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness grand canyon university we believe in equal opportunity and the american dream starts with purpose by honoring your career calling you impact your family your friends and your community the pursuit to serve others is yours find your purpose at grand canyon university private christian affordable visit gcu.edu
1: well it seems like i mean when i was watching the video and i've only seen it i think a couple of times now on the, the second video with the emt It seems like he wasn't. I mean, I. It seems like his attitude was just to help. You know. I. Do do you think he had any kind of other uh, intent other than just trying to help you fix your bike?
0: Well, I'm not going to say for sure. But again, if you're trying, if you're just trying to be helpful, why would you change your attitude completely when the owner of said property asked you politely not to mess with it? Not to mention off camera, which is, well, rather, it was still on camera, but not posted in that video. He tried to defend himself by saying he knows a lot about those kinds of bikes mm. because, you know, apparently his son races, which is true. His son does race. But even then, even if you are the father of a successful racer, that doesn't mean that while you're being paid to be an EMT, that you're also an on site bicycle mechanic. It's not if there's two cars involved in a collision and the front bumper on one looks a little messed up, you don't walk up to it and take you know with some duct tape and saying, "Oh, you can probably drive that home."
1: And if he's familiar with that level of bike, then he probably should also know that people that have those kind of bikes really don't want other people messing with them.
0: There there's that element of it, but and if you if you actually do know that much about these kinds of bikes, especially in this price range, you know that if it's involved in, an, in a collision with a motor vehicle, you do not ride it home. You get it checked out by a reputable shop or at least a, a frame expert before you even put your body weight on that again, because especially with carbon, because carbon obviously does not bend, it only cracks. If there's a small fracture in that frame that you can't see, you put your body weight on it, it will compound and compound, and eventually the frame will just split out from under you, and then you're, you're going to suffer a much more serious injury than you would have. So what?
1: Since since that day, what's happened? Was was your bike completely? Was it destroyed or was it repairable?
0: It, it was it was totaled. I first took it to Dave's bike shop in Raymore, and they they did a pretty thorough look over it. The one thing they did not do was try to inspect the inside of the frame, because the shop owner felt like he didn't have the capability of doing that. So he recommended that I take my bike over to a guy named Steve Smithers who owns Smithers Customs in Olathe, Kansas. And th- this guy, for all intents and purposes, he is the carbon fiber expert in Kansas City. So his primary business makes carbon fiber motorcycle parts. He also does carbon fiber bicycle frame repair. I took the bike to him and it wasn't, it wasn't long before he said, oh, yeah, you see, look at that. And he points to behind the head tube. And there's a there's a little bulge coming out. And he said, you see that? That's a compression fracture. So the, the bike frame was totaled. He wrote me up an estimate. And um, he himself is, he's still racing. He's in his early 50s. And uh, he and a, a guy named Dan Kellerby also own the patent for filament spun carbon. And they have their own brand of wheels called FSE which they, they can make wheels that are the same weight as their competitors, but 30% stronger. So this guy knows what he's talking about.
1: It's funny that he said it was a compression fracture. It's I, I picture a doctor, but his patient is the bike. Like you, right. you know,
0: <laughs> on on a bike that's
1: this expensive, do you have insurance on it Do most people?
0: No. I mean, there are very few uh, companies that actually offer bicycle specific insurance. However, what you can do if the if the at-fault party's insurance company is not being cooperative, you can, in fact, file a claim through your renter's or homeowner's insurance because it will fall under that.
1: Oh, I had no idea on that. So did
0: the police pay for the bike? Technically, I mean, technically it was their insurance company, but they're paying their premiums. So yeah, I guess you could say the police paid for it. Okay. And um, with that, that... The, the property damage claim, which is obviously separate from your medical, uh, was like pulling teeth with these people. The peculiar police department uses EMC insurance or otherwise known as MCASCO. And their particular insurance adjuster for the property damage was a woman who claimed that she knew uh, something about these kinds of bikes. But when you started asking her slightly tough questions that a seasoned cyclist would know the answer to, she couldn't answer them. But simultaneously, it was still their money, and we had to convince them to pay what I was demanding, which they never did. I gave them a demand of uh, just over $7,800 and change for new bike, carbon wheels. Uh, the camera was damaged. So I want that replaced, and the pedals were damaged. And in the end, they ended up giving me um, 6750 So I had to basically work with that and try to replace all of my items.
1: Well, that's the job of the claims adjuster, right? To pay as, to make sure they pay as little as possible. No, no more inter- than they have to.
0: The really interesting thing is that this insurance company, among others, will start arguing depreciation when the claim amount is above $5,000. I don't know why they have that threshold, but they do. All right. So what
1: happened to the officer that hit you?
0: Now, initially, as part of procedure, he was placed on administrative leave. So, you know, it's a paid vacation, but obviously they can't presume guilt until it's actually adjudicated. Uh, I didn't hear anything from the Peculiar Police Department directly. They have had zero contact with me since this incident. And I found out basically through the grapevine that he was no longer with the Peculiar Police force. Um, I did some digging around and I found that Chuck Wallace... Uh, has a LinkedIn page and it says he left their police department sometime in August. I don't know what he's doing now. He might be uh, helping to manage his family farm, but other than that, I have no idea what he's up to. And as far as criminal charges go, well, that's a, that's another dragged out process. So (laughs) initially Cass County started investigating. They were pulling a case together, but then they had to wait for a judge to rule if they could actually prosecute. And then the judge said, no, you can't. There's a conflict of interest. So they sent the case north to Platt County. And then I was in contact with their prosecuting attorney. And the charges, well, the the single charge that he's getting was not filed until mid to late December. He does not have a court date yet. And all he's getting charged with is careless and imprudent driving, which is a class A misdemeanor. Worst case scenario he would pay a $500 fine and get a little bit of jail time.
1: Well, I know the the uh the laws about uh distracted driving whether it's texting or or whatever uh vary from state to state and even county to county. So, but he's no longer he's no longer a police officer though. Correct. Have you ever heard from him? I mean, it looks like I mean, the town of Peculiar Obviously, it's kind of an odd name anyway, but it seems like it's yeah. it's a small town that people you know you might run into somebody in the grocery store or something. Have you ever had any contact with him since then?
0: I have not and at the time I was living in Raymore, which is the town directly north, and then in late October, I moved out of Raymore. I'm now in actual Kansas City because I just bought a house
1: that's how far away
0: is that? from where I used to live in Raymore is about eleven miles
1: okay. It would be a little bit awkward if you happened to just bump into him somewhere in public, right?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how I would handle that.
1: (laughs) Has this changed how you ride your bike on the road now? Have you changed anything?
0: No, because I've always been pretty aware of um, cars around me, what they do. It's just, it's one of those things. I mean, this is one of the situations that really wasn't avoidable.
1: It wasn't avoidable for you. Obviously, he could have avoided
0: it. Th- that's right? what I meant, yes. Like right, Obviously, right. if he had been paying attention to the road, this w- we wouldn't be talking right now.
1: Man, he must have just... You know, as soon as something like that happens, he's got a... I can't imagine what went through his mind.
0: Well, I know I know he felt bad about it, but he's probably thinking that he's screwed and that his career is over. You know, I your video
1: on YouTube has, at this point, has gotten over 11 million views. Mm-hmm. So... What do you think what, – what if you hadn't gotten this on video? What? How do you think it would have played out differently?
0: It's hard to say. Um, there, are, there are some cynics out there who think that this whole thing might have been swept under the rug by the police department and that they would try to levy blame on me, possibly ticket me for something. I don't know what. But the fact of the matter is that having the video is indispensable and clearly shows who was in the right, who was in the wrong. And that's one of the things I love about having action cameras, because even if you don't get hit, it's amazing how much uh, more properly people handle themselves and behave when they know they're being filmed.
1: And there's no uh, I mean, when you're in a public place, you don't have to get somebody's permission to
0: video, right? Oh, no. Um, Pretty much universally across the United States, video does not require consent if you're in a public place or or basically where there is no reasonable expectation of privacy. Now, as far as audio is concerned, because that falls under what's called wiretapping laws, that also varies state to state. But again, if you're in a public place or where there's no reasonable expectation of privacy, it's always one party consent. And for intents and purposes, if you want to audio record somebody in Missouri or Kansas or 37 other states in a private setting, it's one party consent.
1: I know there's a lot of videos on YouTube where uh, policemen are insisting that someone stop videotaping.
0: They can insist all they want, but it's not legally actionable. Right.
1: All right. Well, really interesting story. And uh, obviously for anyone that wants to go see it, I'll have the uh, video, your YouTube video, both of them, both the one that showed your crash and the the uh, subsequent one that shows the EMT uh, trying to fix your bike. We'll have that on the, on the website for this episode in the show notes. And I'll have a link to your YouTube channel. You, did you have a YouTube channel prior to this?
0: I did. And I only had about 120 subscribers before this incident. And now I'm up to close to 14,000.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, well, hopefully we'll, we'll add a few more. For and that. if
0: anybody, uh, if anybody's also interested on my channel, I have a, another video afterwards. It's called new bike day. It's when I went to bike stop in Lee summit, Missouri and picked up my new bicycle.
1: Nice. That's a happy ending to this story then.
0: Oh yeah. I, I, I give the owner of that shop a lot of credit, a lot of props because I told him about my constrained budget. And I said, look, I, I need to be at a certain figure out the door. And if I'm being unreasonable, just tell me, but he said, look, Normally I can't sell a brand new 2019 bike that hasn't hit the stores yet for anything less than MSRP plus tax, but I'll call my Giant rep and call corporate, which he did. And every, they knew about the story obviously. Every bike shop owner in the in the country knows about it, and Giant said, "Yeah, go ahead, authorize that deal." And that was that.
1: So you ended up with a with a nice bike.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I, it's definitely nicer than the one I had. Um it, it still has electronic shifting. All the cables are integrated, so you can't even see them. They designed this, this bike to be fully aerodynamic. And another thing it has is a built-in power meter in the crank, which if you're going to spend in that price range, is unheard of.
1: Can you describe what is a power meter in the crank?
0: A power meter uh, consists of a set of strain gauges, and it sends a wireless signal to a compatible receiver showing how many watts of power you're producing.
1: That's interesting. I never heard of that.
0: I know my bike doesn't have that. <laughs> well, they, they can be very expensive. I know um, some power meters by the brand called Cork can run almost $2,000. The quote-unquote bargain brand, uh, Stages brand power meter, which is one crank arm, runs $700. So for this to be included on a bike that retails for fifty eight eighty was pretty impressive.
1: And how is the – what's the status of your uh, pursuing your your medical bills being paid for, that that uh, aspect of it?
0: So as of today, we finally reached a settlement amount, and all they have to do is sign a release, and they'll send a check to me. Can't ask for more than that, right? Well, I could ask them for a hell of a lot more money, but I know they won't pay it.
1: <laughs> Take it and run. Well, William, I appreciate you sharing the story. Like I said, I'll have links to everything we talked about in the show notes. And I'm glad it worked out for you and sure happy because it could have been a lot worse, right?
0: Certainly could have been.
1: Thanks for sharing your story with us.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. My goal for each show is to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you just need to subscribe and that way you'll never miss an episode. You can click on any of the subscribe buttons on the website, which is whatwasthatlike.com. You'll see all the links right there at the top where you can subscribe directly to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or on whatever app you use to catch your podcasts. And you'll see there are also links to Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there, and I hope you do. And if you really want to connect with me and get in on the discussion with other listeners to this show, you can join our private Facebook group. You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly at scott at thatlike.com or just go to the website and click on contact. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode or a previous episode. Thanks again for listening. And I'll see you on the next show where we'll once again ask the question, What was that like?